All right, our text is in Luke chapter 2, and be verse 7 through 38. We'll just read verse 7 for our text. Luke chapter 2 and verse 7 in the sermon I've titled, The Face of Jesus. The Face of Jesus. Okay, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son. Now I want you to think about that before I read further than that one verse. Firstborn son. You know what that usually means when they says firstborn? There were others after. Mary had other children. Okay, so after Jesus was the firstborn. And another important reason for that is at the cross. You remember Jesus on the cross and Mary, his mother, is looking at him as he's there. And he looks down and sees John, the apostle, beside her. And he says, woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. And see, normally, the oldest son in the house, the father was already passed, and evidently he had been. Uh, the oldest son had the responsibility to make sure that mom was taken care of. And that should still be true today, as a matter of fact. But um, uh, they wanted to make sure she's taken care of, and so it was up to him to assign that to someone should he be ready to die. And so that's what he did at that time, and assigned that to him. So uh, her firstborn son, okay, so she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Those old cloths from right there inside the cave uh, that served as a stable. They kept those cloths in there for a reason. We may say something about that later. But uh, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Well, let's pray. Father, I pray now as we delve into your word today that the Holy Spirit would just guide and lead in every aspect of this message in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I want to start out by telling you about, I remember when my daughter was born. Now, she wasn't my firstborn. My firstborn was Paul, and then her, and then one more after that. But when she was born, uh, and by the way, she's my favorite daughter. <laughs> but uh, it scared me to death. I mean, it did. Uh, you see, Dad and Mom had a stillborn baby girl somewhere around 1937, 1938. I forget the date, but it was one of those two years where they had a stillborn baby girl. And I've always thought since then, God in mercy took her home to heaven. Because in our house, there were five of us boys, and that was the worst part. There was dad, too. Okay, he was just part of us, the whole group there, okay? But I believe that my mother will probably have a great reward in heaven for enduring all those years with dad and five boys. So I, I tell you what, don't say amen, okay? Uh, but... Uh, uh, The doctor, when my daughter was born, see, back in that day, you just didn't know, is it going to be a boy or a girl? I mean, that, that birth certificate would say boy, or it would say girl. Okay, that would that'd be it. They didn't have transgenders born in that day. <clears throat> I don't know, what, the, what do they write on, the, on it now? Especially if they're not supposed to use any 
kind of a pronoun or any kind of a thing like that. You wonder uh, how they do that. Uh, but nonetheless, that's where it was in that day. Well, the doctor came out with that baby, and he says, what were you looking for? And I thought, well, I've got one boy. I lived with all brothers. I said, a boy. Girl scared me, <laughs> you know. I said, a boy. And he says, well, congratulations. You have a new baby girl. Well, you know, I looked, I looked into her face that first time, and uh, I, got, I got hooked right there. I mean, I was hooked just looking uh, into her face the first time there. I, I was just hooked. I mean, when I left the hospital, I went home proud as a peacock. Uh, I really was. And, you know, sometimes if you stand at the window where they have all the babies displayed, that looks like that is that. No, that looks like his mom. Oh no, that looks like this. It looks like that one. To me, all babies look like Uncle Fester on Adam's family. Just to be honest with you, when you look in their face. But um, it was it was that way. You know, you just kind of look. Well, when I looked at her, I was just I was just hooked. I was hooked one way or the other. I was hooked by it. And so I, as I said, I went home. I was very proud. And then back in that day. You didn't go in the room with the mother. You didn't go in the room. The baby is there and all that. They kept the baby in the nursery. The mother only got to see it every so often when they'd bring the baby in to feed it. But that was about it. And so uh, they don't have it like it was going today. So I went home. It was scheduled at 3 o'clock. They'll open those curtains and you can see your baby. So uh, I went back at 3 o'clock. They opened the curtains. I'm looking there. And I don't see the baby. I'm looking, and I, I started uh, waiting until other people got out of the way. Look at that. No, doesn't say Bloom. They all had uh, the last name Bloom Baby, Jones Baby, Smith Baby, whatever. But I didn't ever, ever see it. So finally, when I saw people starting to trickle down and go back out, I went over and knocked on the door. I mean, I, did. I knocked on that door, uh, and the nurse came to the door, and uh, I, I you know, I think she was a young nurse that came to the door, but uh, she came to the door, and I said, I, I'm Mr. Bloom, and, and uh, where's my daughter? I, I want to see my daughter. He, she said, didn't they tell you? And she has his eyes get big, didn't they tell you? I said, tell me what? She said, just a minute, she closed the door. Now, you're standing there, you're thinking, did she die? Is she handicapped? Is there something they found? You don't know. Tears are starting to come to your eyes. And then finally, and, and by the way, in addition to that, when the doctor did show me the baby, he said, uh, he says, uh, by the way, he says, uh, she'll have some bruising on her back because I had to really uh, smack her pretty good to get her to start breathing. Now, that, that's what they told me. She's breathing. I was happy, you know, and saw her. I was proud. Well, the, uh, another nurse comes out. She says, well, we had a hard time with the breathing, and she had uh, swallowed some water and things like that, so we just uh, had to 
uh, put her in the incubator. She's there in the incubator, and you can go down to the other end where we, those curtains are closed, and they'll open it, and so you can see your baby. And so, uh, uh, but she says, it'll be all, she'll be in here two or three days, but she, she'll be all right. I went down, they opened the curtain, I saw her in the incubator. God just kind of gives you a peace at that time. I said, okay, it's going to be all right. It's all under control. And, and uh, that was the first uh, time I'd seen her, but that's the way she came into this world, so to speak. And, and they had uh, those things going on, and it scares you, but you're already in love just looking into the face of that little one. And I guess it's that way with each of your children when they're born. You look into their face, and, and all of a sudden, they've, they've got you hooked. They've got you right there. The time I just uh, was concerned, of course, until they did come, uh, you know, they just had a hard time getting her to start breathing, but they did get it going for her. Now, as I think on that, and, and I'd be honest with you, I looked at her back when they did get her out, and she had no bruises there, so I, I wasn't sure. He said there were bruises. I believe him, okay, but I didn't see him. Uh, but uh, when I think of all of that, you look into that face of that one that is your own. And so we went through all of that. But then I thought back here on Mary and Joseph. The first time when, when Jesus is born, look into that face. Knowing it was a miracle themselves, they both knew it was a miracle. They were both told of what he would do. He is the Christ, the anointed one. Anointed to bear our sins. Kind of like John the Baptist seeing him come by for the first time and say, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. You know, when John the Baptist said, the Lamb, it was stated that way, the Lamb. It was stated that way because it was God's Son and it's God's pet Lamb. God was giving something Himself. The Father was giving something for us that we might be saved from our sin. Well, there He is. He's laying in a manger. That manger was where they put the food and so forth to feed the uh, animals during the winter times. They would come in there. And, of course, the clothing, as I mentioned earlier, was there. And so, that was the room. There was no room for them in the end. So that's the room where the baby Jesus would be born. And those claws, the reason those claws were already in there. Now you think of being in a cave and maybe just kind of the dust and everything that would be in a cave. You wouldn't think those are the cleanest claws around. But those claws were actually used to wrap around a baby lamb when it was born to protect it from disease or anything else that may come after it. And so it was actually a good thing, a protective thing. But I also think that when you're seeing him wrapped in those clothes, 
Oh yeah, there could be some of the dust of the uh, cave. There could be some other things that are there. But Jesus came to take all our sin away. So he was on the cross where he bore our sin. He became sin for us. He was wrapped completely with the sin of all men for all time because it was symbolic of what he would do for us in dying for our sin. And so, he's wrapped in those swaddling clothes. And we go on to read in verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shined around about them, and they were sore afraid. Now, people talk about angels. We draw pictures of angels and so forth. Uh, really, though, those people hadn't seen the, an angel. At nighttime, here's this angel, and then the glory. The glory actually has the idea of bright shining. The bright shining. And so, all of a sudden, this light in the sky and this angel and is, is right there in front of them. And so, they appear. These guys are keeping watch over their flock by night. The Lord appears. They're afraid. They're scared to death. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. See, it just wasn't for some people. It was for everybody. You know the gospel's for everybody. There's not a person walking the face of this earth that cannot be saved. But they won't be saved if they don't receive Jesus Christ through repentance and faith as their Lord and Savior. And so, he said, for all people, verse 11, for unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. The debt payer for all people. For unto you is born this day the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Those sheep herders knew what swaddling clothes were. So it's a good thing to show them. Swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. They knew what a manger was. That wasn't the normal things that you wrapped babies in when they were born. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. They are saying this in unison. So, verse 15 says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away uh, from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which cometh to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They knew who that message was from. The Lord 
the angels had the duty to deliver the message, but they were delivering a message. They knew the message was from the Lord. God, that day, spoke to them through angels. And so, he goes on, verse 16, And they came with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. So they see as it would be told them. And, they, and it's like that. He's in the manger. And so you imagine that. They see this babe in the swaddling clothes that they would wrap around lambs. They're seeing that. This innocent baby. I imagine they didn't want to look and say, oh, isn't that baby so tiny? I don't think that's the look that you have. I believe they looked into the face. And they knew he was the one that they didn't know the exact time for them, but they knew that one day he'd be paying the penalty for their sin. He would be the atonement for their sin. The angels appearing and then them seeing the one who would be the sacrifice for their sin, God's pet lamb. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They told of others out there. I mean, they go out and they're telling others. We saw these angels. Now, some people may think they're nuts as they're going around telling everybody. But as everybody comes in to laugh, they're finding out, no, we heard the same story. They're all, they all had the same story. They all heard the same thing. And they're told of seeing this vision of angels and coming and actually seeing the Christ child, the baby. They went and told what God did for them. Isn't that the right thing for us to do? If you're saved today, you should go tell others what God did to save you. That's what it, the way it ought to be. That's the way it always is. And so, when they heard it, verse 18, they wondered at those things. What are these people saying to us? They wondered what was told them by the shepherds. In their mind, you know, could this be the, the Messiah? They said it'd be born in Bethlehem. I wonder if any of those people actually thought, is this Messiah? So verse 19, Mary is, of course, right there with it while they're there. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. See, she meditated on the things that she heard about God. She knew it was true. Devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel is the way we'd say it about these. And the shepherds returned, glorifying 
and praising God for all things that they had heard. Oh, they heard it of the angels and seen. Oh, looking into the face of the baby Jesus. As it was told them, for their eyes and ears were able to verify everything that was told them. It was verified. Now, sometimes people come to me, I had this vision. Oh, I had this thing. But these people actually saw it. They actually saw it. Verse 21, and when the eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was, he was so named of the angel, for he was, before he was conceived in the womb. See, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the angel told Joseph, his name shall be called Jesus. So he received a name even before they would have the baby and know. In verse 22 it says, And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him, uh, him to the uh, priest, of course, and, uh, to the Lord. And re that's, that really goes back to Leviticus chapter 12, verse 8. They're coming in to circumcise the child and present him to the Lord. Back in the Old Testament, that was a command. And if she be not able to uh, bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. Now, I want you to think of the impact of that. She, as the Lord said, went and made the sacrifice, probably the poor person's sacrifice. And then we see this. It was a sin offering, an atonement. You know why they had a sin offering? People would have a sin, they'd have something in their life, and they want to get it right, and they would have that offering. Atone for her sin. You see, there are people today that say that Mary... Hers was the immaculate conception. She was born. She was sent from heaven. She was God. But that is a false doctrine. You see, she offered a sin offering. Oh, no, Mary never sinned. Well, if she offered a sin offering, then she just told a lie. That would mean she was sinning then if she had never committed a sin before because you only offered a sin offering if you had a sin. And so, that's another reason I believe that on the Day of Atonement was the actual day of, of her, of his birth. Because it make an atonement for him. Another thing that Mary said in Luke chapter 1, verse 47, when 
what they call the Magnificent. She has given a praise of God, and she said, God, my Savior, in Luke chapter 1, verse 47. Why does she need a Savior if she's sinless? No. She was not deity, but she was blessed. She was blessed. So verse 23 says, As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Verse 24, And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. You see, again, the poor person's offering. And the indication by that verse, because it's stated that way in that verse, is that Mary offered the turtle doves or the pigeons. And so, verse 25, Behold, there was a man uh, in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And he came in. At, at, at the man was just, excuse me, the uh, same man was just and uh, devout, a very devout man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for that. that uh, in other words, he was waiting for Jesus. The Holy Ghost was upon him, verse 26, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came. He came. He came in a special way. He came that day. It wasn't that he was scheduled that day to come. He came by the Spirit. Stay in God's Word, and when He leads you to do something, do it. Do it then. Came by the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do to Him after the custom of the law, verse 28, then took He Him up in His arms and blessed God. Keep it in mind when He has this baby in His arms. God had promised him he would see him. And he is seeing a promise of God come true right in his own arms. He is looking down into the face of Jesus. And just like those shepherds, just like Mary and Joseph, now this, this man is receiving joy from the face of Jesus. Basically, the idea of the face in each of these things is the very person who he is. God come in the flesh. A promise from God, the Lord always keeps his promises, and Simeon got to see it. So now, he looks into this precious face. I mean, how can you say looking into a baby's face is not precious? any baby, but he looks into this precious baby's face and he realizes the penalty for my sin 
for all sin is going to be paid by this child. He knew the truth of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You imagine holding that baby in his arms? God gave this. Birthed by Mary. Stepfathered by Joseph. But the Son of God to give me everlasting life. God so loved the world. That's the purpose of the Christian. Uh, John 3, 16 is a definite Christmas verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so in verse 29, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. You see, Jesus, as the song was sung at the end, was born to die. You know, one day we're going to be caught up into heaven, or we may die, and the Bible says that uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you're saved, that's, what's, that's true. And I know when we have loved ones die, and, and I think the same thing. I wonder what them and this one's doing, this, that and so forth, talking about, but no. Really, in reality, I think the first face I want to see is the face of Jesus. Oh, I want to see those others, yes. I want to see Paul and David, King David, and all those people. I want to see them. But I think I want to see and look into the face of Jesus. I think that moment, we might get an idea of what Simeon was feeling, what Mary was feeling, what uh, Joseph was feeling when they looked into the face of Jesus. And he says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, that he, he was able to leave that place in peace. And so, verse 31 says, Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. The glory of thy people Israel. But, he says, a light to lighten the Gentiles. And Israel. You know, there's another false doctrine that goes around this world today. People say the church has replaced Israel. Again, that is a lie of the devil spreading that in churches throughout uh, this world. No. He came to save all. Even in John chapter 10, he says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold of Israel. They too shall be with us. They too shall be one fold. One fold. Oh yes. Whosoever will can be saved. Do you know that no matter where you've gone in sin, you can be saved from it. You can have eternal life. You can be forgiven. God will forgive. And Joseph, verse 33, and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them. See, he didn't just bless Mary. He blessed them, Joseph and Mary, 
And he said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce thine own soul also. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Oh, when Jesus is on that cross, people are cursing him. They spit at him. They mock him. They scorn him. Others who kind of thought he was right, but in fear forsook him and fled. Mary is seeing and hearing these things about her son that God has given her. Sir, Joseph and Mary, they, they, they got to see Jesus. They got to raise Jesus from a child. But now they're finding out the implication of this baby being born. He's going to die for the sins of the world. Mary, that's going to pierce your own soul also. And so, there's Mary standing at the foot of the cross looking up. And yet, in the face of Jesus, who's in excruciating pain, the face of Jesus, who's being cursed. And she hears her son saying, Father, forgive them. For they know, know not what they do. They don't know. And then her eyes glance towards her. And he, she sees a man in such pain such scorning, saying, Woman, behold thy son. John, son, behold thy mother. John couldn't say no to that. Because even on the cross, he not only saw his Savior, he saw the love of God that so loved the world. We could go on in the rest of the chapter talking about a lady by the name of Anna. Anna, we're told that she was a widow in verse 37 of fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in at that present time gave thanks likewise to the Lord and spake to all of them. You see, this lady is also blessing She's looking into the face of Jesus. Up in her 80s. 
praising the Lord. She still has breath. She can still praise his name. She can still go into the temple and pray. And yet all that praise, all that looking into the face of Jesus, knowing what awaits him, And yet, a joy because this is their Savior without which they have no salvation. Folks, let me just kind of close this up by saying this. Jesus died on the cross, not just for specific people. Can God save me? Yes, He can save me. He can save you. He can save anyone under the sound of my voice right now. I don't care if they're sitting in a prison right now on death row for murder, mass murderers, or whatever. I mean, if I have my choice, they catch a child trafficker. I want him eliminated right then. That's, that's me. But yet, you realize even a child trafficker can be saved and changed from that life? They have to hear the gospel from us. So my friend, can you give a Bible reason? Not, not, not human reason. I'm talking about Bible reason. Human reason says, well, I'm doing the best I can. Human reason says, well, I'm a pretty good person. Human reason says, well, I haven't done anything really bad to somebody. And we go on about all these things, but really, I'm not talking about human reason. I'm talking about a Bible reason. Can you give a Bible reason why you know that if you die today that heaven's your home? Then, my friend, I want to invite you to spiritually Look into the face of Jesus. See him as that babe who came. He came by agreement, not by force, to die for our sin. And he paid it in full. Not only was it inflicted on him with the Roman cat of night and tails, that whip, not only with the spear in his side, not only with the spit in his face, not only yanking the hair out of his face, not only the hatred of him, but the greatest suffering of that day is when God the Father, Isaiah 53 tells us, it pleased the Lord, that is the Father, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. When God the Father saw my sin and your sin and all sin for all time upon his only son, his attitude about sin did not change. There is a law the law was to show us that we are sinners. We think we're pretty good, but if you go by the law, the law says we're sinners. They gave a law so that we all would know we're sinners, and we need a Savior. Spiritually look into the face of Jesus. And just say, Lord, I'll give you myself. Cleanse me of my sin. Cleanse me of my sin. Forgive me. Take my sin from me. I invite you into my heart and life as my Lord, as my God, as my Savior. Please save me right now. If you'll do that, he'll save you. So again, I ask, do you have a Bible reason that if you die today that heaven 
would be your home. If you can, why not get the best thing God wants from you on his birthday? Give him your heart. Let's bow our heads, please.